Today's scripture reading is Luke eleven thirty three through 36. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part, no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Good morning. Welcome to Regeneration. If you're new here, the way we kind of uh, determine what we're going to be studying or teaching through is, is we just kind of go through the Bible chapter by chapter. We're, we're currently in the book of Luke. Um, last week's study, I actually wanted to include this week's text into last week's study, but that would have made for a long study, so I, I broke it up. And, and if, you, if I make references to last week and you're like, what is he talking about? It, it's in iTunes, and you can and pull that out. Um, we are in Luke chapter 11, going through verses 33 through 36. Uh, let me pray for us before we get started. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us, to penetrate our hearts and our minds, to help us to see you more clearly. We ask God for you to touch people who are hurting, who are in pain, who are suffering for whatever reason, that you would bring healing into their lives. God, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. How has Jesus changed your life? Uh, Since a life with Jesus is a a relationship, our our lives with him, they're either growing or they are deteriorating because relationships aren't stagnant, right? Um, If we say that a relationship is stagnant, I would argue that that relationship is deteriorating. Because it just doesn't stay the same. Because relationships are not neutral. You're, you're either getting closer to someone or you're kind of drifting further away from them. And so some of you may be thinking, you know, I have that, that friend back in high school. And, and when we get together and we talk on the phone, or whatever, it's like we never missed a day. It's like all this stuff. And, and I would argue that. I have friends like that too, but they don't know that I have three children even. Or that they have two. And then we'll get together and we'll talk like, hey, how's it going? Hey, are you still in the cars or whatever? And you all this stuff. But how intimate really is that relationship? Because you don't know some really big things. Sometimes you figure out like, oh, you got married. Or whatever, right? So are you guys really that close if you're not actively working on that relationship? It's more of just like you have a bond, you have a history, and, and you have a connection there. But... That intimacy is lost, right? So you're either working towards something or you're, you're drifting further apart. I think that stagnant relationships actually lose ground, right? You, you lose that intimacy. They, they don't simply stay neutral. And you look at any relationship that is worthwhile for you, whether it be your parents or your kids, um, uh, significant others, important people in your life, it takes work for it to grow, Right? It doesn't just kind of stay. You have to invest time. You have to invest resources into those relationships. You can't just exist and expect them to grow. I can't expect my marriage to thrive if I don't invest myself into that covenant relationship. It, it, it can't. 
I can't expect my relationship with my kids to flourish if I don't pour my life into my kids. And so it's similar with a relationship with Jesus in that it doesn't grow without you. You have to be in there. And you can't be indifferent towards Jesus and expect good results. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with any relationship. And actually, if you stay in neutral, if you stay on this kind of neutral ground, this stagnant ground, you actually grow further apart. And this is why we worship, we study God's word, we fellowship, we take communion, we give, we pray, we, we do all these things in a service every Sunday. We make available these things throughout the week as well. Right? And, and so Sunday service is, is a glimpse into church but, but we desire to encourage that throughout the week. We encourage, to, uh, encourage you to grow spiritually throughout the week, attending various things throughout the week. All that stuff is in your bulletin. All that stuff is in kind of our community board in the back there that's hung up there. You can take a look at that. But you see, Jesus demands a decision. He demands a decision from us. And we as a church, we desire to aid in helping you make wise decisions. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 verse 23 said, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. A decision of where you stand is already made because if you're not with Jesus, you're against him. Not making a decision is saying you're against him. There is no neutral ground. You are either for or against. If you stand on neutral ground, you are against To be with Jesus means we are to be proactively there, being there. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So there's something for us to do. And it's more than hearing and knowing the word of God in our minds. It's keeping the word of God in our heart. That that it's real, that it transforms who we are, how we live. And it's not just that we hear. It's not just what we hear, it's how we hear. How are we hearing the word of God? Back in Luke chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus instructs us to take care then how you hear. How are we hearing? Do we care about how we hear? Is our heart soft toward the things of God? Are we open to hearing Whatever God speaks to us and not just listening for what sounds good to us or what we want to hear. What is our attitude like in hearing? See, there's so much to gain when we listen to Jesus. There's also so much to lose when we're not listening to Jesus. And we'll be taking a closer look at how healthy and unhealthy uh, spiritual vision has. Uh, it has an incredible influence in the outcomes of our life, and that we are either with Jesus or we're not. And this section of Scripture this morning provides us a couple of contrasts, right? Healthy versus unhealthy, uh, light versus darkness. So let's take a look at these things, um, but not in our text today. We're going to first take a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 79. Jesus' uncle, right, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, He prophesied about his son John the Baptist, saying that John was sent to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is what God sends his children to do. This is is what we as followers of Jesus Christ do. 
to be light in darkness, to bring spiritual health to the spiritually unhealthy, to give spiritual sight to the spiritually blind. And this is what he told Paul to do. This is what Jesus told Paul to do in Acts 26. So Jesus knocks Paul off and falls on his duff, and, and Paul's like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? All this stuff. And then this is what he says in verses 16 through 18. But rise and stand on, upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from, people, from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, this is our charge as children of God. Verse 18 there, right? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, it's not just an exchange of information about Jesus. It's not just gaining knowledge about Jesus. We are called to call out those in darkness to come into light. To point to Jesus as the one who gives sight, as the one who heals. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So are you in light or are you in darkness? Are you with Jesus or are you without Jesus? Now last week, the scriptures we looked at shared with us Jesus healing this mute man and then these three reactions that people gave in Jesus performing this miracle. The first reaction came from the religious leaders. Luke doesn't make reference to that, but in Matthew's account and in Mark's account, there's a reference to scribes and Pharisees. Luke does not tell us, but we know that these are religious leaders in the crowd who are accusing Jesus of tapping into demon powers, right? Beelzebul. And so Jesus just uses some simple logic and reasoning to tell them, you know, you're, you're wrong. It doesn't make sense, right, that, uh, that, that I, I would come against myself. And so uh, and then a second reaction comes out. This woman shouts out. She's a fan of Jesus and says, hey, you're, you rock and your mom rocks and she's so blessed and all this stuff. And Jesus shares, you know what? Yeah, my mom rocks and I rock and stuff like that. But um, the biological relationship isn't kind of the main thing there. It's kind of the spiritual that, you know, if you've, you're spiritually there, you're in my family. And then the, a third reaction comes up. And, and so the, some in the crowd, they're like, hey, show us another miracle. We want to see another miracle. And Jesus says, no special sign for you. You have the sign of Jonah. Meaning, if you are a genuine seeker looking for Jesus, you'll find him because you'll recognize all the signs that point to Jesus. But if you have this hard heart towards Jesus, if you're spiritually blind towards Jesus, it won't matter what you see. It won't matter what, what other miracles you see because you've already made up your mind not to believe. So their request is denied, and Jesus doesn't go into playing that game because these guys are not genuinely seeking or interested in repentance like the Ninevites were in Jonah's time. So they weren't genuinely seeking wisdom. They weren't genuinely seeking truth like the Queen of the South who came up to see Solomon to inquire about wisdom. And the people would have recognized Jesus, who is greater than Jonah, who is greater than Solomon, if they were genuinely seeking him, but they weren't. They just wanted to see another sign. 
and they couldn't see Jesus because they were blinded by their unbelief. And so, verse 33, Luke 11. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. See, they didn't have the light in them. Jesus, the light, as referenced in previous scriptures that we just referenced, is right in front of them. He's right before them. He's not hiding from them at all. He's like, here I am. And he's right there on a stand, but they don't believe. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world, but their sight and their hearts are so dark that they can't see him. They don't believe. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 46 through 47, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? See, they don't believe. Just like many in our day, in our world, don't believe. And there are some who say, you know, I can't believe because, you know, I can't see God. I can't feel God. I can't, you know, he's not tangible. Even though there, the, there are the signs of Moses and there are the signs of, from the prophets who were true historical people who recorded what happened to them. And what they wrote and what they said and what they taught, they were recorded for us in the Bible. And those are signs and proofs of who Jesus is. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 31, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. See, no sign is going to change your mind if you don't want to believe. If you don't believe, it doesn't matter what happens. Someone can be risen from the dead right in front of your face, and you'll attribute it to something else. Oh, he really wasn't dead. Oh, his, his heartbeat was just really faint, but he really wasn't dead, all the way dead. Or you'll believe these other things. You'll attribute it to science or you'll attribute it to some doctor. If you really don't want to believe, you're not going to believe. Jesus is not hiding. The Bible is revealed to us. He has been revealed in history and in his word. There are eyewitness accounts that have been recorded in the Bible, in his word, about what he said, what he did, who he is. It's in the Bible. Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And he did that. He resurrected, right? Do you believe in the resurrection? And as I've said before, if you want to disprove Christianity, all you have to do is disprove the resurrection. And it's done. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. If you believe he resurrected, if you believe in him, even though you die, you will live. Do you believe that? The proofs, the signs, the evidences that that Jesus is real, that Jesus is true, they are already provided. And and these types of things, it's, it's easily pointed out for those who believe in the Bible, that it's in the Word, that it's in history. The real question is, how is your heart towards Jesus? Because if it's hardened, if your heart is hardened towards Jesus, it doesn't matter how much evidence is provided to you. It doesn't matter. John records for us in John chapter 1, 
starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How is your heart towards Jesus? Because there's a decision to be made. How do you view Jesus? Do you view Him as just simply a good moral teacher, that He's a great philosopher, And even though he is those things, that's not what he claimed to be. He claimed to be God. So, if someone claims to be God, they are either a liar, a freak, or it's true. Right? So, in C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, he doesn't use the word freak. He uses the word lunatic. I plugged in the word freak. I like it better. So you're either a freak, a liar, or it's true, or as C.S. Lewis puts it, you are either a lunatic, a liar, or you are the Lord. And so he points out this brilliant argument. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great read. I highly recommend it. Lewis points out that you have to choose within those things. That it, it, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And that's all I'm going to say about it because you have to read it now. But how is your heart towards Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Much much of the world is still in darkness. Where is our heart towards them? Towards those who are in darkness? Will, Will they be given the good news? Will they be set free? Will they receive healing? Because Jesus is not hiding. He's standing there. How are we doing? As light. People's hearts are hardened. Their sight is hardened. How are we as light? Verse 34, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. So Jesus gives us this metaphor here with the eye, which points to our spiritual sight. Spiritual sight, where where we spiritually perceive, where we receive spiritual perception, where some of us say that it's the heart. Is your heart darkened? Is your spiritual perception darkened? And when it is dark, you need to come into the light. See, people can help influence a decision for you to come into the light, but you won't if your heart is hardened towards God. See, people can't push you there, right? You you have to believe. And what causes our hearts to be hardened? When we have hearts that are unrepentant, we risk roaming into darkness even though light is there. So be careful in confusing light with darkness. What what we think may be light may actually be darkness. Right? It is your faith. Is your faith really faith or is it superstition? Right? Because don't confuse religious activity with faith. Don't think that, you know, I go to church and I do good things and so that that means I have a life of faith. It might or it might not. If you think that going to church or doing good deeds is your way into heaven, I would argue that that sounds more superstitious than a life of faith, that you're earning your way into something, that this, it's a linear relationship. Like, oh, if I do these things, I'm going to get this. That's more superstitious. 
Be careful when you do things that make you think you're earning your way into the light because it may actually be leading you into darkness. Because this is what happened to those religious leaders in Jesus' day. Right? These guys, scribes and Pharisees, know their, know their scriptures so well. Right? A scribe and a Pharisee would memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They would do religious things. They would give religiously. They would serve religiously. They would go to temple religiously. They would do all the sacrifice. They would do all these things religiously. But rather than living in the light, they were living in the darkness because they can't even recognize that Jesus is in front of their face. These are the best religious people you could find in that time. right? Who, who went to their synagogues and, and they knew their scriptures, and they served religious people who did good deeds, but they were in the darkness. They cannot see Jesus. So where are we in relation to being in light or being in darkness? Where are we as a church community? Are we in the light or are we in the darkness? Because we have a lot of good things going on here. Right? We're growing. We have more and more ministry opportunities coming available. Uh, more small groups are popping up. We, we serve our community really, really well. You know, we have ten interns. And um, nine out of the, te- of the ten are serving local organizations in our body 20 hours a week. We're, we're adding value to their, their organizations. Nonprofits, um, secular and Christian both. We're, we're, we're adding value to all these things. Right, so, so we're doing all these things really well. We have great community connections. We're, we're blessed with resources. There's a lot of good things happening at our church. But what started out as light, let's be careful that we don't roam into darkness. See, it's a good thing to be in need. Right? It, it, I think it helps us stay in the light because it helps us see that we need the light. There are a lot of prestigious universities that started out as Christian universities in the light. And now they are so far from it. Many of the Ivy Leagues have started this way. There's not a peep of God. And so comfort and resting on our laurels and the resources that people get and the knowledge that they get and all this stuff, it makes us more susceptible to being okay when things are actually dim spiritually. Because outside of the spiritual stuff, everything looks great. Right? You got all these resources, you got all this the effects of things happening because of what you do. And the challenge when things are going well is to stay in the spiritual light. Because let's say that there's this surgeon out there who is really skilled. He's done the same surgery thousands of times, and he's an eye surgeon. He's done it thousands of times. He is the best eye surgeon on the face of the planet. And you're going to go see him. Because you need this eye surgery. But then he says, you know what? Um, I've done this surgery thousands of times. I've been all over the world doing this stuff. I've been doing this for decades. I just have a little issue. I ran out of light. So I'm going to have to operate on you in the dark. Would you let him do that? 
I mean, this is the best guy in the world. He's done this thousands of times. Would you let him operate on your eye without light? I think it's, I, I, and I purposely chose eye because it's, it's, it's about this really sensitive organ, right? And it's this really, it's this thing that you cannot feel your way through. It's not like your heart, right? If it was a heart surgeon, maybe more so. I mean, maybe not still, but more so because you can be like, all right, there's his aorta, and there's his, you know, and there's his left ventricle, and so that, and then you can feel your way through, right? And you can be like, okay, I got to sew that up. Oh, it's still bleeding. I got to stop that. You, you know, you can probably feel your way through. Your eye, oh, you're just like, mm-hmm. That part's gooey too. Like, look, what, what is, right? You can't be like, oh yeah, the cones and all the other stuff. That's not matching up. Oh, the cornea. You can't do that with something like an eye. So you wouldn't let this awesome surgeon do it, even though he's done it thousands of times. You would not let him operate if he cannot use light, if he cannot see light. So how many of us have been doing this, have been doing church without light? Because I think we can. I think it's more like heart surgery. We can, we can come in here and we can, okay, ushers and greeters are there. Make sure there's parking. Okay, make, who's doing the worship set? Oh, okay, three songs first, three songs at the end. And oh, who's doing the sermon? Oh, Albert, okay, make sure, um, be serious and talk 44 or 5 minutes and share, share the Bible. Don't share stories about surgeons and stuff. And then, oh, have Sunday school and have all the kids lined up and have coffee and have all this stuff. Do we even need God anymore? It's a machine. You can come in here and we can just do church. Are we operating in the light? Because we can have music and we have sermons and prayer and communion. We have all this stuff. But are we doing it in the light? In the light of God? Are any of you serving in the church operating in the dark? You're just doing it. But that light is not in you. I want to encourage you to step into the light. Step into the light. Because if you are operating in the dark, you have a high likelihood to hurt somebody that's coming in that is hurting, that, is heal- that needs healing, that needs someone to, to touch them, to operate on them, to, to, to minister to them. If you are operating in the dark, you might hurt them. So are we operating in the light? We're here to serve Jesus. So let's not harden our heart to the things of God. You're not here to serve the church. Right? As, as a mechanism. We could pay people to do that. We could pay people to do things as a job. We are here to serve Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. And so how does sin affect you? Does it affect you? Is sin sin in your life? Has self-righteousness, legalism led you into darkness? Because remember, these scribes and Pharisees cannot see Jesus and he's right in front of their face. He's not addressing those people who are like compromising of what sin is and stuff like that on, on that really liberal side that people tend to think like, oh, you know, oh, you're not calling that sin a sin. Or he is talking to these religious leaders who are so self-righteous that they cannot even recognize Jesus in front of their face. And that's not to say that we should compromise on that other side either. 
right? Sin is sin. But be careful lest the light in you be darkness. He's talking to people who have light in them already, right? And, and with that warning from Jesus, how are we proactively living in the light? And if you find yourself in darkness, is there light there? Is the light there? It's time to seek the Lord, right? It's time to ask Jesus to heal our heart and, and our sight, to give us clear vision, to live in light, to serve in light. How do you know you need light? When you realize you're in the dark, right? So people, people say things like, oh, people hate being called a sinner. People hate to have their sin revealed to them. How are they going to know that they need light if they don't know they're in dark? You have to tell them that they're in darkness. You have to show them that they're in darkness. How do you come out of darkness? Jesus. And so you you pray to him and you read his word and, and, and it reveals to you what light is. And we don't do this in a judgmental, con- condemning way. This is done with grace. This is done with grace and truth. And a practical way to address this is to surround yourself with a community of believers who will pray for you and give you a perspective on the things that you share with them. Right? To find a safe community where you can pray with them and confess your sins and, and go through an exercise of confession and, and, uh, and study the scriptures together and that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you what is dark and what is light. And as you share what's going on in your life with that group that is safe, that is non-judgmental, who shares both truth and grace, you'll be able to see more clearly what is light and what is darkness. And so as we submit to God, he will transform our lives. And this isn't just for those who don't know God. This is for those who have a relationship with God as well. For those who who don't know Jesus, you're confronted with either being with him or being against him. That's a confrontation that you need to address. As believers in Jesus, we we have something confronting us as well. Sin or not to sin. To be in darkness or to be in light. This is something that we need to kind of combat all the time also. It says, to be careful lest the light in us be darkness. And as Christians, we are to be light in a dark world. But we can't be light if we ourselves are dark. So as a church, as individuals representing Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, it's written, The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Are we presenting Jesus for our city as a church, as individuals following Jesus Christ? Not a list of bunch of do's and don'ts as Christians, but a relationship with our Savior. Verse 36, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Has Jesus filled you with light? Are you light to a dark world? No tolerance in being like some of the religious leaders in Jesus' day who were busy being self-righteous and judgmental, like some of the religious leaders in our day, who are pretty good at that too in the media. And no compromising and calling sin, sin. That sin is sin. 
But when we address that sin, that we are doing it with grace, and that we're doing that with love, and that we are asking the Holy Spirit to convict us of any darkness, to show us of any darkness that is within us, for us to live lives full of light, holy, bright. And so may we make wise decisions. May we be thankful that God gives us light and that that we are receptors of that light and that we need to be proactive in moving in that direction. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us that you are not hidden. And I ask, God, that we would be able to deal with the things that are holding us back from living full, healthy lives. That we would move from unhealthy to healthy. That we would move from spiritual darkness to spiritual enlightenment. In Jesus' name, amen.